Thank you. Good morning. Well, again, Happy New Year. As we continue in this new year, we want to take a look at the book of Revelation and the churches of Revelation and see what God has for us, Cole Community Church, for us as saints in this body and where he is taking us. I read the paper pretty much every day, and if you're like me and you open up the pages, every day as we, as we look at the news, uh, there is a constant of tragedy and of death. We cannot help but come across this as we wake up in the morning and turn on the news. Just last week, we first experienced the death of USC. Yes, For all you Texas fans, you're like, woo. But then on a more serious note, there was lots of tragedy. Mormon missionaries were killed. An Afghan school headmaster killed for teaching girls. The bird flu in Turkey took lives. A rock slide in Kilimanjaro, several died. A suicide bomb kills 53. Fifteen bodies that were taken and found at the collapse of an ice skating rink. Lives that are taken for the miners, there were 12 lives. We thought they were alive, but they had died. At the same time, all around us, every day, is spiritual death. Are we as grieved over spiritual death that takes place in this world every day, those who have not come to know the loving, saving, beautiful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we a light in this dark world? Or are we maybe a glimmer, somewhat reflecting, but not even aware of our own spiritual malnutrition? And so we take a look at our lives this morning, and that's what we want to take a look at as we look at Christ's heart for the churches of Thyatira and also for Sardis as well, we want to ask the question, how can we have new life in this new year? What does the Lord Jesus have for us? So turn to Revelation 2, starting in verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, I know your love, your faith, your service. I know your perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality, to eating of food sacrificed to idols, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Let me remind you of what this study is about as we look at the churches of Revelation. It is about Christ's heart for us. It is looking to the one who knows us to the core and to say, God, what is it that you see in us It is his gracious unveiling, his revealing of who we are, his refining work in us, 
so that we might be more like him. It's about his view. It's about his perspective of who you and I are, who Cole Community Church is. And so we look to him to say, God, Lord Jesus, what do you have for us? Because it is only he who can give us an accurate assessment. Isn't that true? And why does he bother? Why does he take time to give us the word of revelation? And I believe it's because of his great love for us. See, when you study these churches, sometimes it feels such, such like harsh judgment. I'm coming just to nail you and to show you all your mistakes and to show you where you need to get it right. But I hope we can switch our perspective and go, because of God's radical love for us, he is revealing in us who we are so that we might become more like him. And he is patient, and he is showing, and he is refining who we are because he longs for a deeper relationship with us. He doesn't want us to live a life that leads to spiritual death and enslavement. In Baker, California, there was a story just the other day of an artist. And what he did is he took big chains and he wrapped them around his legs and his ankles and he locked it up. And what he was trying to accomplish was to get some sort of reflection off the, off the desert. And he was drawing this reflection and it was his artwork that he was doing. And after he finished, he went to his knapsack and he went to pull out the key to, to unlock the lock and he could not find the key. It was lost. And so literally for 12 hours, through the desert, hopping for freedom and really looking and longing as he's going through the desert. And the Lord is saying, I don't want you to live enslaved. I don't want you to live in the bondage of the enemy and of life. I want you to be running, not hopping, free. I want you to be running in the abundance of me. I want you to be running in the joy of me. I want you to be running in the life of me. Our life is not meant to have chains around our ankles. And as the Lord speaks his love to this church of Thyatira, he gives his character. He says, I am the son of God. My eyes are like blazing fire. My feet are like burnished bronze. He may have said that he is the son of God because Domitian literally called his son the son of God. And he made coins after his son that had his uh, Domitian son holding up seven stars something we've seen in the scripture about who God is, who Christ is, trying to take the place of our Savior. And maybe it's a reality check. I am. You are not. And he says, my eyes are piercing. My eyes are refining. You know, a lot of times we think of the Lord, well, he's just piercing us so that he can get the junk on us and then he's just going to hammer us. But like laser surgery... Many of you have had that LASIK done. That laser piercing into your eyes. Not to damage you. Not to come against you. But for healing. But for life so that you might see. So that you might have truth. So that you might be transformed into the image of God. And he says to the saints of Thyatira as well as he says to us that I have feet of bronze. 
He always reminds us that he's walking right in the middle of the churches here. He walks in our midst. It's Cole Community Church. He is right here with us this morning. He always will be. This is his body. This is his bride. And he walks with us with purity, the feet of bronze, and with strength as he leads us through. And he gives us this image of who he is to the church. And he says, I am the one. And again, his love for them, he says, listen, I know who you are. Later on, we'll see, I know your hearts and I know your minds. And he says, I know your deeds. These are the things, again, that Jesus is pleased with. And you need to really remember that. The Lord is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. Plain and simple, because if you have given your life to him, he's pleased because you are just a daughter or a son of his. Not by what you do, but when we live life for him, Oh, it is pleasing for him. And he says, I know your deeds, your love, and your faith. I know your service. I know your perseverance. You are literally doing more than you did before. You're you're living this out for me. And I'm pleased with you. But always, always in our life here on this earth, the Lord Jesus is in the sanctifying process with us. He is the one who says, I am going to refine. Your life is to be always made more to look like me. I will always be working in you so that you will experience me more. So you'll understand who I am. You'll understand my love for you. You'll understand what I went through for you. Sanctification, those Christian words we use, but that's what it means. This continual work in your life. And he says, I love you, I know you're doing this, but I still have a little bit more for you. And there's some things I want to show you about your life and how you're living. And he says this, here's his words of sharpening. You tolerate Jezebel. She truly was a reflection of the spirit of compromise. Jezebel is synonymous with evil, isn't she? She was known, she married King Ahab. And she came into Judea and and she forced, in a sense, Ahab to, or manipulated, whatever you want to do with her husband, she did. She said, Ahab, set up Asherah poles at the places of Yahweh worship. I'm going to take over this town. And so Ahab does. Asherah being the female counterpart to Baal. And he sets up, and so there's dual worship going on. And then she's ready to get rid of all the prophets of Yahweh and she's killing them off one by one. And if there were any left, they're hiding out because they're scared to death. And she's taking over. And then she faces the power of God through Elijah. Do you remember the scene on Mount Carmel? And Elijah called down fire from God and delivered his people through Elijah wiped out the Baal prophets. Her name, Jezebel, the spirit of compromise, was happening in this church as the people of Israel were compromising and were compromised as Asherah and Yahweh were set up in the places of worship. And her teachings were about sexual immorality, that it's fine and good, and her teachings, again, like the Nicolaitans and like the teachings of Balak, 
it's okay to eat meat sacrificed to idols. And so this was the teaching that was happening in Thyatira. We struggle, don't we? We struggle with wanting to do both. We love Jesus. I know you do. I do. And I'm going, God, I want to follow you. But I struggle with things that look so pleasing. And why can't I have both? It's right there in front of me, and it doesn't seem all that bad for my spiritual life. But whenever we choose to enter into the spirit of compromise, we face spiritual death. There was an article the other day about vegetarians who like sausage. Are you interested in being a vegetarian but concerned that you might not be able to adjust? Not to worry. You can become a flexitarian. As vegetarians gain popularity and increase in this market niche, a variation has developed. The flexitarian is a person who eats primarily vegetables, but also indulges occasionally with meat, sacrificed to idols. (laughs) The designation fits people like 28-year-old Christy Pugh, who says, I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like sausage. Sometimes I feel like I'm a bad vegetarian. (laughs) This is a real deal. (laughs) That I'm not strict enough or that I'm not good enough. I really like vegetarian food, but I'm just not 100% committed. The spirit of compromise. We want to be a flexitarian. We want to have it all. And the Lord says to his beloved church, he says, you have served me faithfully you have, again, grown and you're loving and you're persevering, but you lack holiness. You are not set apart unto me. If you choose me, then it is alone me that you shall serve. I am a jealous lover, God says. There shall be no other gods before me. And if you choose me, then choose me alone, because I really am life. I really am the lover of your souls. There is nobody else who is the lover of your souls to the core, truly, but Christ is. And he says, dear church, I want you to enter into that. I want you to live a life that is focused on me. I don't want you to be swayed by the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of compromise that says we can worship Yahweh, we can worship the Asherah, and all is good. There's an old African proverb that says, a man who tries to walk two roads will split his pants. (laughs) It's true. And the deal is we want to walk two roads. That is a battle with us, isn't it? There are things in life that look so good, and how could God not want us to enter into that? It's back to the garden, isn't it? There must be more. Did God really say this? Here's what was happening in Thyatira. They were tempted to walk two roads, and the situation was there was these guilds. It was an incredible place of market, an incredible place of steel and and wool and metals and bronze, and and all these uh, markets came together, and people would come and shop, and it was 
a big deal, but you had to be basically part of a union, a guild. And it wasn't just a union where you would just pay dues. It was a union where you were connected to as a whole person in your social life, and everything was part of this. And if you weren't part of the guild, it truly was, it truly was professional suicide. But here's what was happening. There would be a sacrifice that was made to an idol. And then the guilds would gather the meat and they would have these social gatherings. And they would bring people in and they would take a a cup of wine and they would do basically a pagan prayer. And you would raise your cup to toast the idol at the beginning and at the end of the meal. And then after that would be all kinds of drunkenness and debauchery that would take place. And so the new Christian the one who was trying to live for God had to deal with this every day. And you go, oh Lord, help. How do I live in this community? And yet everything about the community that surrounds me is saying that this is okay. And Jezebel and her teaching is saying this is fine. You can go ahead and have both. It won't affect you. Live a life of compromise. And here God comes and he calls us to holiness. He calls you and I to be set apart for him. Where is it that we are compromising? Where is it that we have been tempted to enter in, to be led astray in the workplace? Maybe we're just fudging numbers a little bit on the report so it looks good to the boss. Maybe on your way up the ladder, you stepped on a few people along the way. This is how you have success. This is just the way it plays out in the marketplace. Maybe there's a little office flirtation going on. It's all good. We know we're both married. It's not going to go anywhere. Maybe we're trying to convince ourselves that all these long hours that we spend at the office are for our family so that they can have the things that they need when all they need is you. And we step into the spirit of compromise. What's it like in our neighborhoods? Are we set apart in our neighborhood? We have to ask the question, do my neighbors know that I love Jesus Christ? Do they know? Are they aware that I am a follower of this loving God who loves them as well? Do they have any concept or idea? But I don't want to step on toes, and so I compromise. I'll just hang out, but I won't bring it up about who I am in Christ. And we compromise saying, again, we don't want to offend. We compromise with this idea of there's deeper things. Jezebel had this teaching, there's more, there's more, there's more. You long for the deeper things and we buy into it. And so we read our Bibles and we go, well, that's good. But I better go to the Christian bookstore and I better pick up a Christian author who really can tell me the deeper things of God. Man's views about God. And we think in them we find deeper things. Instead of begging the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, he says, I am the spirit of truth. 
All truth that you need to know comes through me, and as you open up the Word to see who I am, I speak truth to you. Do you ever ask the Spirit to speak truth to you rather than going, there's deeper things? Jezebel was saying, go ahead and sleep around and it's fine. Are we compromising sexually? The whole world is saying this is fine. Every image that we get is about doing it. And so we struggle going, what do I do? Are you struggling with a compromise of your sexuality? Saying, I know God says that to wait, and he says life and marriage, but yet I don't believe him. Are you sitting at the computer, and all that little box says is, yes, I want to enter. And you go, wife's asleep, nobody around, okay. We think it's hidden. And God says, I am the one who pierces your hearts and your minds, and I reveal all truth. And you're entering into these things because everybody's saying it's no big thing. What's the big deal? Hey, all of our college campus kids, you know what happens on on BSU? It's like, yeah, we look at pornography, and we do it together, me and my girlfriend. It's all good. That's happening. I'm just telling you, plain and simple. It's not, there's not even shame. There's no, there's no even redness of face. There is no shame. And so as a Christian, as Jezebel is speaking and trying to sway us, we go, oh, Lord, help. And may you turn to the Lord who's saying, oh, come to me. I know the enemy, Jezebel, is teaching these things. You know what? The truth is we are fallen, wretched sinners. And you know what? We have compromised. We have, you and I both. But here's what the Lord offers. You can't miss it. He says, I turned in verse 21, I turned to Jezebel and I said, Jezebel, repent. Turn away from what you're doing. I even gave Jezebel, the one who teaches hypocrisy, the one who is leading you astray, I even went to her and said, turn back to me. But she refused. I pray this morning that as God is calling on your heart and saying, turn away from that compromise, from that sin, I really pray that we are not saying, I refuse, thank you, but no. May our hearts be soft to the Lord who is patient, who is full of grace, who says even to the one who is bringing the heresy, I want you to have an opportunity to turn. But don't test him. Don't test his patience. There is consequence that will come full force. He says, if you choose to lie in bed with Jezebel, it'll all play out. It'll be shout from the mountaintops. Nothing is hidden. You will face suffering like you've never faced. Some of you will die physically. Ananias and Sapphira, as they played hypocrite with God's money, he took their lives. Sin plays out in our lives. The guilt and the weight takes its toll. And God says, I want to free you from that. We think it's hidden, but it's not. I am the one who searches the hearts and the minds. Look what he says in verse 25 as he goes on about this church and where they can go. Only hold on to what you have until I come. 
To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, and he will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear. We need sometimes to live in the promise. Dear saints, you've served me. I want you to sharpen because you're struggling with compromise. But don't ever forget, as you hold on to me, who you are. The first he says, I will give you authority to rule with me over the nations. We, we really don't know what that looks like. You know, the scriptures say, don't you know that you will judge angels? And we go, huh? No, how does that work? I don't know. What's it going to look like to rule with God, to be in authority with him? I don't know. But here's the truth, he says. You will be with me. You will reign with me. That's all you need to know. And I am with you and you with me and my kingdom that has authority, you will be part of that. To him who overcomes, here's your gift. Sometimes you need to remember that. And he says this, and I give you your name. Or excuse me, I give you the morning star. We have the morning star banner over there, which is Christ himself. I give you all of me. I give you all of me, all of life, all of the joy, all of the piercing and the refining. You get all of me. As we hold on to Christ, remain in the vine, I will remain in you. And you get him. Sometimes amidst this world that is throwing all kinds of curveballs and temptation to compromise, sometimes we just need to know that God loves me and I will have life with him. And maybe that day will come sooner than we know. But live in that promise. Live in who he is and what he has for you. Authority over the nations. Christ is calling us, dear church, to repent. To turn away from where we've been in that spirit of compromise. And to enjoy him. And to live on him alone. And then he goes on to speak to the church of Sardis. I have some video, actually, I was in Sardis in Turkey last year. And he says of this church, as we look on in chapter 3, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You know, as we look at this church, which was so beautiful and glorious, this is the King's Road entering in. He doesn't say to this church, and I know your perseverance, and I know you've stood firm for me, and way to to hold on to my name. And all the glory of this church is this was the synagogue entering in. He doesn't say one time, way to stand up for me. Here's my encouragement for you. Look what he does. He goes right to the punch. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive. Look at all your beauty in this church. You had money. You had it all. You had a big congregation. This was the gymnasium where everybody, this was rebuilt, but this gymnasium where everybody was concerned about their body and their beauty and and same one for the church. We want to look beautiful. We want to have an image of what we are doing. People know, and we're getting a lot of feedback that we are alive. 
And the one who pierces the hearts and the minds says, You are dead. You are dead. Your reputation is from men only. You're this big mega church with lots of money and lots of outward service, but you are only beautiful in the sight of men. Where do you get your reputation from? Are you seeking only a reputation in the eyes of men? Because our Lord God with his blazing eyes will pierce through that. And what he says to this church is an immediate call. Stop living like this. Your reputation before me is nothing but death. You're faking it. Your works are not complete. They're literally not fulfilled. It's as though they went ahead and they're doing all this service and Jesus is standing over here going, was anybody going to ask me where I wanted to take this church? Was anybody going to check in and say, God, what do you have for us? They are not fulfilled. That means that they are not in the work that God wanted for this church. It is not complete. It is lacking him. And so we, Cole Community Church, we as elders of this church, we go, Lord, speak to our hearts that we may know. We invite and encourage and please pray, God, what do you have for us? You're not just individuals out there. We are a family. And we need together to be going, Lord, we don't want to leave you back here. We invite you to lead this church, please do, so that our works are fulfilled in you and for you. And he says, you're lacking this. To the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your deeds, you have this reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. I have not found your deeds complete in my sight. Remember, therefore, What you have received and heard, obey it and repent. He says to this church who is living with two faces, I want you to wake up. The people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They have a form of godliness, but they are denying its power. John Stott says, they had form without power. Reputation without reality. Outward appearance without any inward integrity. They had show without life. It truly was hypocrisy. That theater term that says we have two faces. And that's how they were living. How are we, Cole Community Church? Are we living to please him and him alone? Or are we living to please men? And may our reputation in this world be, look at that person, instead of them seeing God in you. And he calls them to that with immediate sharpness. And he says, wake up! Right there, buddy. Gotcha. Wake up. Literally, keep watch. Keep watch of what is going on. People in your church are dead and they're spiritually dying and you're living in this church just because of the social connection and it feels good. This church in Sardis just blended right in. You know what? There was an incredible temple to Artemis, Diana, 
right smack dab in the middle of Sardis. Do you see anything about, hey, and by the way, way to, you know, stand firm against Artemis. It was a beautiful, big temple. No mention of that. Why? Because their church was just as beautiful. Everything is nice. But there was a remnant in this church. There was a remnant like Noah or Lot or Elijah when all seemed hopeless. God always has this remnant working. There were those in the church that were dying. But the ones who held on, they were a little sleepy. They just weren't doing anything in the body. And so he says, wake up. Because you will fall into the same thing. If you continue to live this way and accept and just go along with the flow, you will spiritually die. So keep watch of what is going on. Be ready. Be dressed with lamps, watching for the master returning from the wedding banquet because there's life. In Sardis, the church was attacked twice by Antioch the Great and by Cyrus. And the way that was attacked is men snuck up the little ravines and they never saw him coming. And so Sardis was taken over. They thought it was impregnable, but they got in and they lost twice. And he says, I want you to wake up. I want you to strengthen what remains. That means nurture what remains. You who are stronger, bring up the ones who are spiritually just dying and come along their side and say, let's walk this journey together. There is more to life. Let's live for Christ together. It says, nurture. Wake up and nurture each other. We really do need one another. There are times when we are spiritually just going, blah. I don't get it all. It doesn't make sense. I feel no life. And sometimes we just stay stuck there. And he's saying to us as a body, wake up and come and start to nurture each other in the Lord so that you may see. And he says, I want you to remember what you have received. They received the word of God, but they received oh so much more. Peter cries out on the day of Pentecost, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they received. Do you not know? Do you not know that you are a temple of the living God? He says that to us individually. He says that to us corporately in the scriptures. Don't you know that this is where God resides? In our midst, in our hearts, and the Holy Spirit lives there. Now the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of life. Romans 8.2 And so we have this life in Christ in us. And he says, wake up, pray in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit. Oh, how we need to hear that. Sometimes we need to remember, because I do think we forget, because sometimes our life just seems so empty. And we're like, where is the Spirit? I want Him, but I don't understand. I want life I think it's a cry to the Lord to say, Lord, send your spirit upon me. He is, he says, I must go now and I must leave you the spirit. It's better for you that I do. He is the one who speaks truth to you. He is your comforter. He is your counselor. And he's the one who comes. But the scripture also says that we can grieve the spirit. 
through our lifestyle of sin, of not obedience. We can quench the Spirit as we keep walking our own path. And so Paul says to the church of Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. A language says, go on being filled or be in the state of continual filling. You need to understand something. We did receive the Spirit when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. He came upon us. But he's saying it's a constant relationship with our Lord that the Spirit keeps filling you. We possess Him. Does He possess us? Are we really obedient to what God is doing in our lives? If we walk in the Spirit, let us keep in the Spirit, Galatians 5. And he says, you are walking, but you're not completing what I have for you. You're not fulfilled because, again, you're over here. I've given you the Spirit to live in and to have life, and you've left me out. So invite the Spirit. Keep being filled in the Spirit. And I think that just looks like going, God, today show me what you have for me. Lord Jesus, I need you today. I am a wretched sinner and in need of your life in me. Call upon him. Submit to his leadership that we would have life, our desire to move from death to life in this new year. And here's the promise. He says, listen, as you walk in me, as you hold on to me, as you've given your life to me. Again, this isn't about loss of salvation, okay? It's about our continual relationship with Christ. Those of us who hold on and have said, Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, I serve you alone. He says, and I will give you a white robe. It's like the beautiful bride coming down. You will be dressed in white, and as you stand before God the Father, the Almighty, he says, ah, you're beautiful. You are white because of your relationship with my son. You are pure. Sometimes we need to just rejoice in that. And then he says, and I will have your name. Remember last week, the name that I know. The name written on the white stone. Your name is written in the book of life. And the language says this, and I will never ever, by no means, it's a double negative, I will never ever by no means blot your name out. You are mine. And welcome and enjoy life. God calls us to set ourselves apart. He calls us to wake up and to live in Him. May His Holy Spirit pour out upon us. And may we have life in Him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that You would indeed come upon us right this very moment. And Lord, forgive us when we Walk away from you. Forgive us when we are so tempted with compromise that we actually step into it. And I know we grieve you, Father. And Lord, please forgive us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you cleanse us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're patient with us. Thank you, Lord, that we are pure in your sight. I pray, Father, that we may live for you today. In your precious name, amen.